Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, the Kansas City Stars Blair Kirkhoff joins former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio. Blair, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. We're still in the afterglow, you know. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, Blair, how how's it, uh, you know, how's everybody feeling, both fan base, media, team, you know, that you've had exposure to? Everybody's still kind of really enjoying it and really reeling in the in the win? No doubt. I think it's still cloud nine around here. You know, I, I do remember what it was like four years ago. And, of course, you know, the one four years ago broke the 50-year uh, drought. So uh, this one – you know, I don't, I don't want to say fans are used to it. That's that's certainly not accurate. But um, I think there's a a different sense of appreciation because uh, this time they, they weren't the favorite. I mean, they were among the favorites to win it all. But mm-hmm. before the season, this was the Bills conference to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that was the, sort of the theme throughout the year. And then they lost to the Bengals again in the regular season. And you know, were the Chiefs going to get it done? And the, the Eagles were a favorite in the Super Bowl. So there was some reasons to believe that the Chiefs had to overcome uh, in, in this year's run. Whereas in the past, you know, they were always the, you'd always thought of them as the favorite. In fact, before the the Eagles game, I think this is right. I think they were, they were favorites in their previous 15 playoff games, no matter where it was played. Now, most of them, of course, were at Arrowhead Stadium. Mm, right. But uh, but I think there was a t- kind of a perception among Chiefs fans that they would uh, they'd have to overcome a little bit to get it done this time, and they did. And yeah. so I think that that enhanced the feeling from from the fans about this Chiefs team. That's a great point, Blair, because I know there were a lot of receipts out there that uh, <laughs> Chiefs fans were holding on to from the early prognosticators that were. You know, kind of, you know, I know some of the more dramatic ones were that the Chiefs weren't even going to make the playoffs or, you know, we, we and I, I know Jeff and I, you know, not to backtrack all the way back to the offseason, but we were concerned about the AFC West and we sure. were concerned. Our My biggest concern was like more of a less of a strategy one, more of a just a physicality thing is was that they were the AFC West was going to limp into the playoffs, whoever, whomever was going to be the favorite to come out of it. And whoever was going to, you know, come out on top, whoever did was going to just be so beat up from, you know, the toughest conference that we thought. And it turns out that it was, you know, the NFC least went to the NFC beast and the AFC West went to the AFC West. I (laughs) I like that. So, So, you know, and so we, we were, I was, you know, I, as I was watching the season progress, Jeff and I talked about it. We're like, man, how different it's turned out that the Chiefs just rose right to the top of the AFC West and the other teams just kind of sank right to the bottom. 
Well, at the beginning of the year, um, the the idea was that the Chiefs you know, had the toughest schedule in, in mm-hmm. the NFL, uh, just based on the opponents and their mm-hmm. records of the previous year. And then, of course, you know, playing in the in the AFC West, where you know all the stars—Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, Khalil Mack—all the stars came to you know to to bolster up the the other teams. As it turned out, by the end of the year, the Chiefs didn't have the NFL's top schedule because the largely because the AFC West did not live up to the promise of of the preseason, and uh, so it just. Uh, but the Chiefs took care of business. That's that's how they ended up fourteen and three in the regular season because they they do what they've always done. They they took care of business in the division, uh, and that got them the home games and the playoffs, which. You know, I, I think the, the fact that they beat the Jaguars by a touchdown and the Bengals by a field goal and didn't have to play uh, the additional game, didn't have to go to Atlanta to play mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills. I think all that worked in the Chiefs' favor. Yeah, they certainly swept the AFC West in an impressive fashion. Blair, I'm curious if you have a most interesting anecdote or nugget or observation kind of from the Super Bowl week or Super Bowl experience in, in Phoenix, not maybe something from the game itself that we've We've scrutinized so so uh, carefully, uh, but maybe even some of the off the field there. Oh, look, I got to think about that a second. One one thing that I, I think maybe maybe flew a little under the radar as we appreciated Patrick Mahomes and the rookie class, right? That who stepped up, so many rookies stepped up in such a big way. Chris Jones, his game in the AFC Championship game, I thought that was just a dominant performance. And we can pick out uh, moments and plays that that helped. Kansas City uh, g- g- reach its goal, but one person who pretty pretty instrumental in all this that we haven't, I, I think again flew under the radar a little bit was Harrison Butker and the and, and the field goal operation. Mm-hmm. You know, in the history of the Chiefs, you had Gon Stenerud kicking the three field goals in Super Bowl four to win that, and kind of since then, Harrison Butker has kicked every major field has been successful with every major field goal attempt. And has been pretty instrumental in in the Chiefs' success. You know, you know, sending the Patriots AFC title game at eighteen into overtime, and you know, sending the Bengals AFC title game last year into overtime, beating the Bengals this year, beating the Eagles with what we think is a chip shot, you know, twenty seven yarder, but he, you know, but but he missed, you know, uh, hit the upright doinked one earlier in the game. So, you know, if for a player that came under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of, you know, had a lot of pressure on him because of the injury that happened in the first uh, day of the of the season, first game of the season out at Arizona, and and then had that rough stretch in the middle, I was really happy for, for Harrison Butker. And it wasn't after the Super Bowl, but it was after the AFC Championship game in the locker room. Um, I, you know, a couple of reporters went over and talked to him because everybody was talking to Chris Jones and mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey and everybody else. And and there was Harrison Butker, who just won the game with a tough 45-yarder into the wind that, that really didn't, you know, cross the bar by more than, I don't know, 10 feet or so. And um, and he he breathed a huge sigh of relief and took us through the operation. And anyway, I, he's the guy that I I identified as, as sort of an unsung hero. And I felt so good for yeah. uh, when, when this was all said and done. Blair, that's great. Great uh, point there. And it, it's so fascinating. Joe and I were so concerned about the special teams. I really thought that might cost the Chiefs a potential Super Bowl victory. But instead, you mentioned Butker's two game-winning field goals and his um, contributions, and also the Sky Moore mm. punt return really 
set up um, that last Bengals. drive of the AFC Championship. Yeah. Our- and Kadarius Tony's punt return was really the game changing moment in the Super Bowl. So the yeah, they, they answered any questions that special our, team unit. Our, our our mantra was. Don't give Blair anything to write about special teams. Like that's we were we were trying we were actually we were dipping into your job security, Blair, because we were like our mantra was don't get your name in the paper, special right. teams. Like let the offense and defense win this game. Specifically, let's really let the offense win this game, right? Because we know how magical Patrick and that offense can be. So yeah, we were we were we were trying to give you less work, bud. We and and, <laughs> and Harrison and and Sky and Kadarius gave you something to write about, which is great. Well, Every week, I, after every game, I grade the Chiefs. That's one of the duties that I have at the game is assigning. And they're instant grades. I mean, they're they're usually done by the, right at the gun. And so, you know, it, it's it's just a quick stab at what I how I think the, the the games unfolded for offense, defense, special teams. And it really has kind of broken my heart to to downgrade special teams this year, knowing how important it's been for the Chiefs historically, and just what a good coach Dave Tobe is, and uh, and how important you know, having a good special teams ranking is for him. Um, and it just hadn't been that way this year. Not just, you know, it wasn't just uh, Butker with his, uh, you know, with his midseason sort of malaise, but uh, they weren't getting anything, no big return until postseason, really during the regular season. I can't, I think Pacheco may have had a good kickoff return in, 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 a, in a away game early. Maybe it was at San Francisco to open the second half. I can't really remember it right now, but, got to about midfield, but it was just not a year where you saw that, you know, the Tyree Kill or McCole Hardman type of return that uh, that really set up the Chiefs. And then in the biggest games and the biggest moments, special teams delivered. And uh, and again, in the Super Bowl locker room, that was one happy Dave Tobe uh, going around hugging and shaking hands with everybody. That that's great behind the scenes stuff there, Blair. Well, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Uh, Blair, we're definitely into the uh, offseason already, even though the Super Bowl doesn't seem like that long ago. Uh, the Combine is going on. Andy Reid, Brett Veach spoke on Tuesday. Well, Joe is a lifelong member of the Fools, right, Joe? What what the does fools. that stand for? The, the, the Fraternal Order of Offensive Linemen. So <laughs> yeah. that's what we that's so what we call ourselves. One of the questions of the uh, of the Fools is a major offseason question. Blair, are you getting any sense whether Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown, who were so great in the in the Super Bowl, but are are now free agents, are going to be back? What any idea what the what Chiefs are going to do there? Yeah, look, they were great in in the postseason, and especially the Super Bowl. Let's, uh, I'm sure they're still wearing their T-shirts that have the big zero <laughs> on the, uh, on them. You know, no sacks allowed against a team that only had seventy of them um, in 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 the season. So, um, 
So the the sense that that you, you know, decisions on both of them, right? Because they they are free agents, and, uh, and and so the sense that you get in the time since the Super Bowl and what Brett Feach has said a couple of times uh, since then is they would like to have both of them back. Now both of them are in line for raises. You know, Andrew Wiley made two point five million this year, and uh, he. He has proven to be, I think, a valuable, diverse player for mm-hmm. the Chiefs with his ability to to move inside if needed and to play right tackle. Um, Orlando Brown, I'll tell you what, at, mid, at midseason, I'm thinking there's no way. There's no way mm-hmm. they're going to bring him back, uh, not, not for this really average play. For someone who wants to be paid at the top of his position chart, for him to play like this, that's just – you know, he ain't mm-hmm. Trent Williams, right? It's it's, it's not going to happen. And then the second half of the season occurred, and then the postseason occurred, and he was a different player. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that uh, that they're going to try to work something out with him. He he obviously wants a long-term deal. I don't blame him for wanting that. And But I would not be surprised if on March 7th we find uh, the franchise tag applied to him for a second straight year while the Chiefs and his camp try to work something out long term. Mm-hmm. So my guess is offensive line returns intact uh, for, for next season. Uh, they, they go forward with, uh, with with what they have. And this is similar to what happened four years ago when you had the Mitchell Schwartz, you know, Eric Fisher um, offensive line, and they, they, they stayed together through the LDT was a guard on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Austin Ryder, I think was the center. They moved forward with that offensive line and and had success the following year, I think with uh, with Trey Smith and Joe Tooney and and, and Creed Humphrey with uh, with Nick Allegretti valuable backup and and hopes for Lucas Niang to you know to regain full health. Uh, I think the Chiefs feel pretty good about what they have now. That doesn't mean we we won't see them draft uh, you know a tackle uh, it, you know maybe maybe even high. I don't know about first round, but maybe early. But uh, but I I think the idea I think on opening day for 2023 against an opponent, we don't know, but we know it'll be the Thursday night game. Right. Because of the Super Bowl champs, I think we'll see the same offensive line to start the Super Bowl. That's really interesting, um, Blair, because, yeah, I, I mean, I had the same thoughts about Orlando earlier. I, I my conspiracy theory was something was nagging him. I don't know why I was thinking that. I mean, obviously they have to report things if, if he is hurt and whatnot. And I know there's a lot of rules around that, but I don't know if it was something he wasn't telling somebody or, or what, but there was just, that was in my heart. And I was just wondering if he was hiding something and, and, and something was nagging him. And because it just, it, you're right. It seemed like he just seemed like a different player. Um, It's like the best way I can describe it as a, you know, a, a former lineman is, is, is his feet were like he was in cement, like his feet, mm-hmm. like he was wearing weighted boots. It's the best way I could describe it. And um, because we know he's got the athletic ability, we know he's got the size, we know he's done it. He's proven there was just something, it just seemed like something was nagging him. That was my conspiracy theory, but I'm, I'm glad to see you think that too. I think they can do that. They could try to at least, you know, using the term that we, we used in the last Super Bowls, run it back with at least that offensive line. Because that's a, it's such a chemistry position. It, it's it's a position where everybody needs to know where everybody's going with grunts and groans and hand signals. You can't, you can't, and there's no substitute for that ability to play together and build that chemistry um, like the offensive line. So I'm I'm glad to hear you think that. I hope it. 
because I think that's going to be critical to their offensive success as there's some other moving parts uh, that could happen. Yeah, you're right about the movement of Orlando Brown early. We were wondering in the press box, how is Mahomes going to have to adjust his drop back uh, based mm-hmm. on this? You know, because of uh, because Orlando Brown, he was getting beat quite often and, uh, and people were going around him. And we're thinking, well, this is, you know, Mahomes is going to just have to be aware of it at all times. And, and, and maybe they slide in the protection more often with McKinnon or, you know, whatever, whoever the running back was, because Orlando Brown seemed to be needing more help than a guy who you know wants to get paid the amount he wants to be paid should be getting. Uh, but yeah, second half playoffs, that was, you know, th- th- he was, he was terrific. He really was. He was the, you know, the, the pro bowl play, living up to the pro bowl selection that he's been with the chiefs we kind of shook our heads when he, when he, when he got it last year. And, and, but, but anyway, I, I'm, I've become a fan and I think that he'll um, uh, I, I think the chiefs are better with him and no need to go, you know, trading up in the first round, looking for that, uh, you know, for that left tackle. I think the chiefs have their left tackle. You know, uh, I was curious, that was with the two free agent tackles. That was kind of the issue that I'm, I'm most interested to see in this off season uh, Joe and Blair, I, I'm curious what you're most interested to see uh, this offseason as, as the Chiefs try to shape their team and potentially run it back uh, once again for uh, for another Super Bowl title. Well, they certainly have a couple decisions to make. Um, you know, Chris Jones uh, needs probably needs to be paid like a like a superstar now, mm-hmm. uh, the defensive superstar. And for that to happen, if the Chiefs want that to happen, uh, then they're going to have they'll have to make some financial decisions elsewhere. Frank Clark would have to get his uh, mm-hmm. you know, his contract adjusted, or the Chiefs part ways with him, which mm-hmm. um, you know, some would hate to see, just because of again what a nice playoff run he had. He playoff mm-hmm. they got playoff Frank Clark for the playoffs, which that's what you that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for me, from a position group standpoint, I think it's wide receiver. Um, you know, knowing that McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to be free eight are, are free agents, it looks like a uh, there'll be some financial opportunity for them in this free agent market. Uh, they'll they'll you know it's just uh, it's just not a great year for wide receivers, and they'll be two of the best ones out there. And uh, how how are the Chiefs going to uh, you know approach that, knowing that right now under contract they have uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore. Uh, Kadarius Tony. Kadarius, um, yeah. Kadarius, yeah. Two of whom scored Super Bowl touchdowns, right? right. Moore and Tony. Uh, back to then, back, uh, too. Yes, like, yes. On the same play. Same, <laughs> right, right. Eagles still haven't figured that one out. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but so, you know, do you do you trust Mahomes enough to turn anybody, any wide receiver, into, you know, a, you know, a, a more productive person than they've been at other points of their careers or do you go out and, and use the first, you know, number 31 overall to get, uh, you know, the high kid from Tennessee or one mm-hmm. of the, you know, one of the better thought of wide receivers and, and mm-hmm. try to re, you know, rebuild a little bit through the draft. So I think they've got some decisions to make there. Certainly on the defensive line, they've got decisions to make. I feel good about the offensive line, about the running back situation, the secondary. Legarius needs somebody that's going to need to get paid, mm-hmm. and uh, and the, how, but they developed all these great rookie corners this year. Um, but uh, I, I think more so than four years ago, there'll be a little bit, a little bit more of a turnover. The Chiefs actually returned. I know we talk about this in college a lot. How many returning starters do you have? Right. 
But in the but in, in four years ago, the Chiefs had 20 of the 22 guys that started the Super Bowl yeah. back the, the, to start the opener the next year. I don't think they'll. I don't think that'll be the case this time. I think we'll see more new faces in the lineup. Well, and and also new faces too, Blair. Like since your concern is mostly around the offense, and we've talked about right. I mean, you, I think we all can say that offense is going to be just for today's purposes going to be the one side of the ball that we have to really be concerned about as the combine goes down and the draft and free agency opens up. What about losing Eric? I mean, how what are what are your thoughts on what that does to an evolving offense like this where we could see some movement at receiver? We've got this sort of developing running back core that is just starting to find its way and with Clyde kind of slipping down with, you know, uh Isaiah Pacheco moving up like who like what do you think that's going to be for for Matt Nagy as he takes over the reins? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so well, Chiefs will have a well, not a new offensive coordinator, a renew a renewed offensive coordinator in in Matt Nagy this time. So right, Eric Bieniemy moved on to the Washington Commanders. I thought it was interesting his comments uh, from uh, it was on a podcast. I, I can't remember which one. I wish I knew it off the top of my head to give him credit, but said that um, uh, you know he knew before the season that this was going to be his last year in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and, um, and and so. Whether it was going to be a head coaching position or uh, or an assistant coaching position, he knew that you know it was time to um, you know reestablish himself somewhere else. I think it's a good move for him. Uh, we can debate. We can spend a whole another show to you know talking about the issue of of, of you know the Darth of Black head coaches in the NFL and in his particular case, much written about, much discussed. Uh, but the fact is, he's now the offensive coordinator for Ron Rivera in Washington. I wish him the, nothing but the best. I hope mm-hmm. he knocks it out of the park there and he'll be a head if he if he really wants to be be a head coach pretty soon. Uh, but what that does to the offense, that's that's going to be really interesting because Andy Reid's, you know, the the overseer mm-hmm. of yeah. of the offense. Yeah. As long as that doesn't change, I don't I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of difference in um in 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 the in the offensive structure. You know, Girardi's the new quarter the, the new quarterback coach. He's kind of taken the, the path that Mike Kafka took. Uh, you know, with the Chiefs, who's now, you know, uh, with the Giants, now an offensive coordinator. So um, I don't see much changing offensively for the Chiefs, except for some personnel mm-hmm. uh, in wide receiver. We'll see what happens with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. There's an interesting decision to be made about the former number one pick run, running back pick. Um, but uh, no, I, I think uh, I, I think it's going to be business as usual uh, on the offensive side for the Chiefs. I'm glad you mentioned Mike Kafka. Well, Justin Watson was mentioned earlier in the episode. So we get hit both Joe and my alma maters there. Got a pen yeah. in the North. That's, that's <laughs> rare when you're we've got an yeah. NFL show. And that leads me to my next uh, point, Blair, that uh, getting to college stuff. I, I grew up in Kansas City, reading your stuff in the Kansas City Star, uh, back when you, you were covering really uh, a lot of college basketball and college football. I yeah. love that stuff. So I want to get your take. Is this on, on college basketball with March Madness around the corner? Is this the m- most wide open tournament you can remember? Yeah, look, um, it's it, there's, to me, what's different about it is you don't see Duke. Um, you don't see North Carolina and Kentucky. They're going to be in the tournament, but you don't have uh, those guys all fighting for number one seeds along with Kansas. You've got Alabama, you got Houston, you got Purdue. Uh, it's kind of cool to see UCLA back 
to, toward the top and Marquette making a run here down the stretch as well. So um, that to me is what's different. I, I, I think it's the same. I don't want to say the same suspects, but it's this, it's the usual circle of about, I think 10 to 15 teams that could win it all. Well, as a lot of uh, Kansas and Texas and Baylor, and maybe put TCU uh, on the Kansas State, of course, with a great year uh, under Jerome Tang in his first year as a head coach. So to, locally, that's what's really cool about college basketball in Kansas City is how good the Big 12 is, um, some new faces at the top. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, when we're talking about who number one seeds are, we're talking about schools like like mm. Alabama, never been a number one seed yeah. and never been to a Final Four. So uh, Purdue, you haven't been to a Final Four in a long time. So it's it's fun to see some some new faces up there, especially when the schools in our area, Kansas, Missouri, uh, Kansas State, and Missouri are having great seasons, and will all be tournament teams. Do you have a, a favorite at this point, or is it just too it, too hard to say? Well, as as difficult as it is to repeat as national champion, it hasn't happened since Florida in 06-07. This Kansas team reminds me of last year's Kansas team. It has a it has an All America player, Ochai Baji last year, Jalen Wilson this year. Uh, they won the Big Twelve last year and this year as they go into the uh, the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, they have a grit and a toughness about them, like last year's team. This year's team a little better defensively. Last year's team a little better offensively. We'll see how far it takes them. But it's such a crapshoot, March Madness. It's you know it's how the bracket falls, how the teams in front of you play. Uh, does somebody get hot one night the way Abaji did in the uh, in the semifinal against Villanova when he hit his first six threes? It's um, it is such a crapshoot. That's why greatest sporting event on earth is the NCAA tournament. I cannot wait for it. Um, same, likewise, Blair. Well, listen, this is we've been here with Blair Kirkhoff uh, at the Kansas City Star. You can read all his Chiefs coverage, as you can tell now. He's getting back into a little bit of. College basketball with March Madness around the corner. Blair, thanks so much for joining us. Really enjoyed it, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, if you enjoy the show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.